The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views Podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and we have finally reached week one of the 2020 NFL season. As you guys listen to, uh, to this show, it's Friday, which means the NFL season opened on Thursday night with the Houston Texans visiting the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs so we're off and running with the uh, with the 2020 NFL season long wait for uh, for Giants fans for Monday night for their season opener against the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers beginning of the Joe Judge era as uh, Giants head coach another new beginning for the Giants third head coach in five years hopefully this time the Giants will get it right and Judge will have a long run as head coach of the Giants. Lots to talk about today, Giants fans. Our show is going to feature an interview with Jeff Hartman of SB Nation's Steelers website, Behind the Steel Curtain, as we break down some of the key things to look for on Monday night. wanted to talk just a little bit about a few different topics before we get to the interview that I did with Jeff. First of all, you know, one of the things about this matchup on on Monday night that I find fascinating is the fact that the Steelers have had three head coaches since 1969. Mike Tomlin has been there since 2007. The Giants are at a point where they are at another another new beginning with Joe Judge. The Giants always picture themselves as a beacon of stability in the NFL, as one of the league's iconic franchises. They're a conservative franchise, you know, always owned at least partially by the Mara family. They don't like change. They don't like to be splashy. They don't like to make headlines when they're when they're not about winning football games. So it's it's an interesting spot for the Giants to be in because they're starting over. Joe Judge is trying to build with the Giants what the Steelers and Mike Tomlin already have. That experience, that 
that stability, that culture, that winning expectation. I, I believe that Tomlin has never gone worse than eight and eight in his career with the Steelers. You know, uh, that's a, a model of consistency that the Giants would obviously like to emulate. So we'll see, you know, Obviously, that's not going to impact Monday directly, but just in terms of of these two teams and where they're at as franchises, where they're at as organizations, I find it to be an interesting piece of Monday night's matchup. I want to talk a little bit about Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger coming back from major elbow surgery. We'll talk a little bit about uh, about Roethlisberger with, with Jeff Hartman in a couple of minutes. I'm going to be fascinated to see just how heavily the Steelers rely on Roethlisberger in the passing game on Monday night. I think that everyone's going to want to see what sort of zip the, I believe, 38-year-old Roethlisberger has on the ball when he's required to throw in a hurry, when he's required to throw the ball down the field, when he's required to try to zip the ball into a tight window. I'm sure that, that the Giants are curious about that. I'm sure that Pittsburgh fans are curious about that. And we will see on Monday night just uh, just exactly what Roethlisberger has left in, in his right arm. A uh, couple of, of other notes for you, uh, Giants fans, uh, things that are going on at Big Blue View. If you want to make sure that you uh, that you, you check out all of our coverage at Big Blue View, check out our Giants-Steelers Week 1 hub page where you'll find all of our coverage from the week as we get you ready for Monday night. also wanted to make sure that you... Uh, that you see a new feature that we've got at Big Blue View, which is our weekly staff picks, where all the various members of the Big Blue View staff will be picking every game from you know th- from throughout the week. Uh, we're just going to pick winners this year. We're not going to pick point spreads. We're not going to pick over/unders. We're just going to pick winners straight up. Be interesting to see uh, to see how we do and 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 which one of your Big Blue View contributors ends up. Uh, ends up looking like a genius at the end of the year. You know, I might memo to, to the guys on my staff. You know, I, I do like to win, guys, so uh, pay attention to my record. Uh, I wouldn't mind if you guys uh, if you guys throw a few games uh, during the year and, and, and let your boss win. I, I, I'm good with that. So uh, the, the other thing that I wanted to mention is that yours truly is co-hosting a new podcast now, as part of the newly launched SB Nation NFL show, which debuted this week. It's a a five-day-a-week show giving you different co-hosts every day, Monday through Friday, different shows with different different topics, different areas of, uh, of the NFL, everything from reviewing games on Monday to giving you as much fantasy football information on Friday as we can. The show that that I'm co-hosting with with Rob Guerrero, who is a producer from SB Nation's Niners Nation, which covers the San Francisco 49ers. That show is called The Look Ahead, and that show debuted on Thursday. On that show, we will be giving you a look each and every Thursday at the Thursday night football game and a handful of the other best games of the upcoming weekend breaking them down, giving you our picks, giving you our 
our thoughts on on key matchups and and key things to look for as you uh, as you watch uh, the weekend uh, of NFL football. All right, Giants fans, let's take a, a quick break here for a word from our SB Nation sponsors. When we come back, you'll hear the interview that I did with Behind the Steel Curtains, Jeff Hartman. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Giants fans, I'm joined now by Jeff Hartman of Behind the Steel Curtain as we look ahead to to Monday night's Giants-Steelers season opener. Jeff, thank you very, very much for coming on. How are you doing today? Doing great, Ed. Um, I'm really excited for football, just any football. I mean, it's going to be a long wait until Monday night, but I'm just excited for football. Thanks for having me. I hear you, and thanks for coming on. It's as we record this, it's it's Thursday. We got a seems like long wait for for Giants Steelers. You know, I as as much as I appreciate the national spotlight, I always hate. Waiting and waiting and waiting all weekend and waiting all day Monday, you know, for for basically what winds up being, you know, this week it'll be part of a doubleheader, but it winds up being, you know, the last game of the week. I hate waiting that long. I'm the same way. I kind of feel, especially in week one, you feel like if you were a kid at Christmas time and you have to sit there and watch everyone else open your presents and you're not going to get to open yours until the day after. That's exactly what it feels like. You're you're watching all these football games on Sunday and you're thinking, man, I just want to watch my team play and you got to wait. Now, thankfully, I know you're like me. You have to cover the team. I'm, I'm thankful for the 710 start or 715, whatever it is. Because those those become some late nights when it's an eight twenty. I, I hate those games. Oh, you and me both. And and I am fortunate enough this year that that I'll be able to cover the game on Monday night. I'll be able to be in the stadium in the press box covering the game. And and like you said, thank God it's a thank God it's fairly early because I don't want to make the drive home. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. I, I really don't. But. Uh, you know, so so thank goodness, thank goodness it's an early start. But so let's let's talk a little bit about Giants Steelers and and I have to start with with this. I look at the Giants and the Giants with Joe Judge are at a beginning. Now they're one of the you know, one of the original NFL franchises. They're a historic, you know, NFL franchise just like the Steelers are. But They've had three coaches in five years. They haven't been good for a while. 
I look at the Steelers, you know, with with I think Mike Tomlin's been there since 2007. Yeah. I mean, does this sort of feel like 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 maybe the to me, it seems like an, an interesting opening simply because of where the two franchises are. I look at the Steelers as a team that that maybe with all that stability and I think it's only one Super Bowl title in Tomlin's time, but I look at them almost as the the target or the model for for what Joe Judge would like to build, uh, you know, in in New York. So I mean, does this seem like just just an interesting juxtaposition of of teams to start the season for you? It is because just when you said that they that the Giants have had three coaches in the last five years. That's correct. That is what you said, right? Right. The Steelers have had three head coaches since 1969. And so when it's, I guess when you think about, you know, the consistency there and, you know, all all the, I've always viewed the Giants, let me put it this way. I've always viewed the Giants as extremely similar or parallel to the Steelers when it comes to the way that they want to build their team. That's through the draft. They typically are not the team that's going to be free agent frenzy crazy. And they're going to be a team that's going to want the consistency. Uh, they're family owned with the Maras and the Roonies. We all know those stories and they actually link together in more than one ways. But ultimately, it seems like now I don't understand what changed with the Giants. The Steelers MO can continues to be their MO and they've continued to do business the way that they always have. I don't recognize this Giants team anymore. And that's from a front office standpoint all the way down to the players. I did a podcast this morning previewing the game tomorrow, and I literally on air without anything in front of me tried to list just 10 players on the roster. Couldn't do it. It just seems like a long time since the Justin Tuck, Michael Strahan, Eli Manning, Tiki Barber, all those those teams that were so known. It just seems like they're very far away from where they once were. And I don't mean just from a championship standpoint, but from an organizational standpoint. And I speak as an outsider that really has no interest or care in the world about that organization. Oh, you're, you're killing me, though, with the stroll down memory lane. <laughs> it, but I I think that that you're absolutely right. And I think that that in Pittsburgh, you know, the Steelers have obviously been fortunate. You talked about with the three head coaches. Chuck Knoll, Bill Cower, and now Mike Tomlin. I do think you're absolutely right that the Giants want to be that. They've always pictured themselves as a stable, conservative type of franchise. Tom Coughlin was there for, you know, for for a decade or so as as head coach and and had a lot of success. And I and I honestly think that really what happened with the Giants you know, was in my view, you know, Jerry Reese did a nice job early in his tenure as as general manager when he took over from Ernie Accorsi, and then it sort of fell off the rails for for Jerry for whatever reason. He he had a string of of poor draft choices before you know losing his job to Dave Gettleman, and then what happened to the way I look at it is the Giants made two mistakes in coaching hires. They 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 made a mistake in Ben McAdoo, which they quickly recognized, and they made another mistake with Pat Shermer, which again they they pretty quickly recognized. And you know, hopefully, hopefully, third time is the charm, because you're absolutely right. You know, John Mara has said a few times we've lost some respect, you know, around 
you know, around football. We've lost some respect because we're not what we used to be. And as you said, people don't recognize what, what the giants ha- have become. So I, I guess, I guess to, to ask a question instead of make a speech here, when you, when, when you look at, when you look at Mike Tomlin, I think he's been there since 2007 and it looks like he's going to be there at this point until he decides he doesn't want to be. Yep. Has, has there ever come a point where you thought the Steelers might or might have to move on from Tomlin? That's a really difficult question because it, if you were to poll the the Steelers fan base, you would probably be split 50-50. There's a lot of fans. I'm one of them. I like Mike Tomlin. I think he's a motivator. And I think that in in, in the professional sports in general across the landscape, I feel like motivators are not as common as they once were. And you think about the great coaches, whether it's Lombardi, or if you want to go into other sports with Phil Jackson, with the Bulls, they knew how to motivate even the best players. And Mike Tomlin is cut from that cloth. And I have always appreciated that. Does he have his warts? Absolutely. Then again, show me a coach that doesn't. And I'll, I, I would be stunned if you tell me there's anyone, even Bill Belichick has issues. He's not the best drafter. You know, I mean, he, he gets the most out of his team, but at the same time, he does have his own issues. I think Mike Tomlin is reaching the point though, in his career where He's been doing it a long time. You were right, since 2007. But the Roonies are, they're patient to a point. that They need to see results. Okay, he's missed the playoffs the last two seasons. He's never had a losing record, which is amazing. He's had eight and eight. That's the worst he's ever done since 2007. And um, I think that this is the year, especially with the expanded playoffs, that if, they, if he misses the playoffs, he could be in trouble. I'm not saying he's going to get fired, but he's definitely going to be put on notice. And also, I, th- I look at him as a family man, and his son is now playing. His oldest son is playing football for the University of Maryland, and I could see them be. I could see it very quickly, maybe in the next three to four years, Tomlin saying, "Okay, I'm just done." And Bill Cowher did the same thing. Next year, he'll have equ- equaled Bill Cowher's time in Pittsburgh as a head coach. I, I could see him being saying, "I, I want to go and see my sons play football." He'd probably be have multiple offers from multiple television stations wanting him to get on the air because he's such a good speaker. Um, I don't know. You know, like I said, I like Tomlin, but there's a lot of people that don't. And so there's a lot of people that would say they want Tomlin gone for a multitude of reasons. So there's two sides of the coin. I suppose that it's like anything else, you know, familiarity, you know, breeds contempt a little bit. People see the warts and refuse to, to let go of them. I just know that if Tomlin were to step aside at whatever point in the next couple of years, we would have a a sort of Bill Cower situation where for the next 10 or 12 years, his name pops up with every yep. coaching opening that, that comes along. Absolutely. And I guarantee, I always tell people, if you get rid of a coach, would someone covet that coach? So if the Steelers were to fire Mike Tomlin, would Mike Tomlin be coveted amongst probably 28 to 29 other NFL organizations in the NFL? You ask me, that's a resounding yes. And so you have to ask yourself, why would we want to get rid of that if it's still viewed as, as a commodity amongst the rest of the leagues in terms of the, the organizational help that he would provide? So when you look at it that way, I don't. I think the Steelers would be foolish to let him go. If he chooses to walk away, that's a different story. Right. So let's, uh, Jeff, let's let's turn the topic away from, from the head coach. Let's talk about 
about the quarterback a little bit. And it's interesting because when I talk about the Steelers, when I write about the Steelers over the years, it's always been compare Ben Roethlisberger to Eli Manning. Well, you know, obviously we can't do that anymore because Eli has, Eli chose to retire and, you know, which, which I supported. I'm glad that I'm glad to see Eli having played only as a New York giant I find it weird that that Philip Rivers is is now a member of of the of the Colts. I find it weird that Tom Brady is is playing in Tampa Bay. So I'm glad that Eli chose to to end his career as a New York Giant. But what I really want to focus on on Roethlisberger missed last year, had what I believe was Tommy John surgery to reconstruct his elbow. Played only two games last year. Excuse me. What are the expectations for him? Does does it sound like he's completely healthy? Does it sound like like there's any worry about that elbow and about how much he'll be able to throw and and whether he'll be able to to make any of the any of the longer throws, any of the the deep throws that that really require, you know, having some zip on the ball? I think that there's always any time you have a thrower, whether it's a pitcher or a quarterback, anytime you have a thrower undergo any type of surgery to their throwing arm upon their return, there's going to be hesitation. There's going to be concern and there's going to be a heightened sense of what's going to happen now. So far throughout training camp at Heinz field, which they had to have it at Heinz field this year, um, Roethlisberger has proven time and time again, that he is capable of making every single throw that a quarterback at the NFL level would need to make and at a high level. And that's something that he spoke about to the press, but he also spoke to teammates and others about how he wasn't going to come back. If he wasn't going to be able to come back and be a hundred percent. Now, the one thing to keep in mind with this elbow injury is yes, he did have surgery surgery. It wasn't quite Tommy John. I'm not sure the exact difference, but it was close enough. We'll just say that. He has spoken about how this elbow injury, not to the severity of what it was, had been lingering for years. And so we saw since Mike Wallace's departure, that's probably a good watermark for this. Roethlisberger used to own the deep ball. It it was one of the best throws in his arsenal. And all of a sudden it just started waning a little bit. He wasn't getting the same oomph on the throw. His accuracy was off. Don't be surprised if that wasn't a little bit because of the elbow. And then finally, last last year, 2019 in week two against Seattle, right before halftime, a deep ball to Juju Smith-Schuster, and it goes. Like, it just pops. And he tore a lot of the flexors right off the elbow, and that was it. He said that he actually doesn't have any discomfort anymore when he throws the football since having his elbow surgically repaired. And it's probably because they were repaired some of the damage that had already been existing there before. So I, I know Kevin Colbert, the general manager, spoke openly about how he felt that Ben could come back and be better and stronger than what he was before. And the fans kind of scoffed at that, saying that's just, you know, poppycock and that's just jargon and that's him towing the company line. But come to find out that might actually be true. I think Roethlisberger is going to be nervous. He said that he's going to be nervous. He's going to have a lot of pregame jitters, something that he probably hasn't had in a really long time considering that 2004 draft class. But from an arm strength standpoint, I don't think there's anything left for him to check off the to-do list before week one. He needs to take a hit. That's a, He says, I want to get hit. I want to get popped so that I know I'm back. The game will kind of fall back into rhythm, and then he'll be able to move on. That's really the last thing he has to do. 
All right, interesting. We'll be looking forward to seeing uh, to seeing just how much zip he does actually have on the ball on Monday night. So, uh, but we'll see how that goes. It's uh, I know Pittsburgh fans are are thrilled that that they're not watching you know Mason Rudolph and and whoever else try to play quarterback. Yeah, Devlin Hodges or Duck as they called him with the third string. I mean, that was it was brutal to watch because you had. A, Two rookies, essentially. Devlin Hodges was an undrafted rookie. Mason Rudolph didn't even dress a game his rookie year. So he had zero experience and outside of the preseason, mind you. And you could just tell that above the neck is where the Steelers lack. They couldn't check out of plays. Um, they, they just couldn't read the defense well. The, in terms of actual X's and O's, they were running mirrored routes. And so, <laughs> that's like high school football stuff. And it, it was just, it was tough to watch. It really was difficult. They, they averaged 18.8 game, points per game last season and didn't even hit the 30-point mark once. That's how bad it was. So, yeah, Steeler fans are excited. <laughs> there you go. So let's talk a little bit. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the other side of the ball, about the, uh, the Pittsburgh defense. Now, obviously... Steelers fans are accustomed to really, really good defense going back, you know, obviously going back to the, to the Chuck Knoll era, uh, going back all the way to, uh, to, to Joe Green and, and all of those guys. Just when you look at this Pittsburgh defense, TJ Watt, Bud Dupree coming off the edges, Minka Fitzpatrick in the back, how good is this defense? I think they're very good, and they're so different than any of the other eras that you mentioned. You talk about the Steel Curtain of the 70s. You talk about Blitzburg in the 90s with Greg Lloyd and Kevin Green and, and Rod Woodson, and Carnell Lake was a part of that group. You even talk about the early 2000s with James Harrison, Lamar Woodley, um, James Ferrier, and, and Larry Foote in the middle, Troy Palomalu and Ryan Clark. The one thing that this defense has, and I mean from defensive line all the way back to safety, is athleticism. They are freakishly athletic. And it, they don't have... I, I guess if someone were to ask me, what is a modern-day defense in the today to 2020 NFL, what should it look like? I think it would be pretty close to what Pittsburgh deploys. They're so athletic with guys like Watt. Watt's not your atypical pass rusher. He, he doesn't have that build. He's just ridiculously technical with his game. Dupree is a freak athlete opposite him. Let's not sleep on Cam Hayward and Stefan Tuit in the middle. Uh, Devin Bush is an up-and-coming star, I believe, at inside linebacker in his second year. Everyone knows about Minka Fitzpatrick and what he brings to the Steelers' defense. And then you have two lockdown corners in Hayden and Nelson. They are sideline-to-sideline speed. They are extremely versatile, and they do several things very well, but the best is getting after the quarterback and wreaking havoc. And last year they led the NFL in takeaways. They were, I think second or third in sacks. This team might struggle against the run, which is an interesting facet going into week one. But other than that, they don't have many weak spots. I'll tell you that. Oh, so I guess maybe we should just cry mercy right now and and, and forget about Monday night. So let, let me do this. Obviously, you and I did a we traded five questions this yes. week, which is something we always do. And I did not ask you to make a prediction. Uh, and I'm not going to ask you to do that here either, because 
let's face it, you know, you're going to pick the Steelers to win. I'm probably going to pick the Giants to win, although, you know, sh- I did not do that when I <laughs> when I made my picks this week using the uh, the the tally site app that SB Nation sites are, are now using to to make predictions. I actually picked the Steelers to win. So, you know, my 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 Giants fans out there, you know, just sorry guys <laughs> you know <laughs> sorry guys i i i'm not going to i'm not going to give you a snow job i'm going to give you what i really think but what i want to ask you is set up this game a little bit if you can is there anything you know if if you're looking at this game just tell me why you think the steelers are going to win this game and if the Giants are able to pull an upset, and we did we did talk about this a little bit in our five questions, if they're able to pull an upset, what is it that the Giants might be able to exploit to get that done? So I know that I did a whole podcast by myself on our morning show that's gonna it's gonna be out on Friday morning about how this game is not gonna be a cakewalk for the Steelers. Uh, I pump up the defense because the defense is really good. But at the same time, if there is a weak link for the defense, it is in the running game. And they lose Javon Hargrave, their nose tackle and free agency to the Eagles. And now they really don't have that stalwart in the middle. They don't use that position that much, but they still just... Saquon Barkley is the key. There's two keys, in my opinion, for the Giants to upset the Steelers. They have to play a clean brand of football, but they need to run the football well. If they can set up Daniel Jones for third manageable, that's where he's going to thrive. That's where every quarterback's going to thrive. You set up third and long, you're in trouble. And that's just fact, especially with the Steelers and the way that they get after the passer, especially against the Giants offensive line, which I know that their bookend tackles are not necessarily someone played. I wouldn't, I wouldn't write home about them. We'll put it that way. Um, on the other side of the ball, if the Steelers start to turn it over, that's how you lose this game. That's how the Steelers lose this game, and they've done it before, whether it's Roethlisberger, whether it was Rudolph and Hodges last year. It doesn't matter who's a quarterback. If they fumble the ball, if they turn it over with interceptions, special teams turnovers are killers. Anytime they decide they're going to cough the ball up in some way, shape, or form and give extra possessions to the opposition, and if you combine that with Saquon Barkley having success running the football, especially on first and second downs, the Steelers are going to be in for a dogfight. I do think the Steelers win this game, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I would be stunned if the Steelers win by more than a touchdown. I'll put it that way, but I do think the Steelers win the game. Well, we'll both look forward to Monday night, Jeff. You know, thank you very, very much for, for coming on. Folks, check out Behind the Steel Curtain for all of your Steelers needs. And, and Jeff, just one request before I let you go. You know, please, you know, pass along the memo to TJ Watt to keep his hands to himself on Monday night. <laughs> Leave Daniel Jones alone. You know, pretend he's got the red jersey on and he just just run by him. You know, just, just let him leave. Let him leave Jones alone. <laughs> I don't know if he'll do that. I don't think he's going to listen. He's a pretty fierce competitor. <laughs> oh, Jeff, thank you very much for coming on. Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please remember to subscribe to all of our different shows here on Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.